colleague of mine, he has a young family. So I asked him, how, how's, how's it going? And he said, yeah, my, he said, my kids do not follow my instructions. <laughs> they don't listen to me. He said, I thought I would have children and they would listen to me. But um, it's very difficult to have obedient children. Everyone wants to do their own thing. Uh, in Kali Yuga, very difficult to find obedience. But Daksha's sons were obedient. They took the, the instruction of their father, who con they considered to be like their guru, to heart. And then they went um, to the sacred place where they engaged in severe penance, tapasya, in order to beget progeny. So they understood that even to live a successful materialistic life, one has to engage in penances. So they went to this sacred place and they engaged in a um, lot of penances and Narad Muni came across them. So Narad Muni saw them as being ripe for spiritual instruction because, they were, because their hearts had been purified, uh, living in a holy place and, and following this tapasya. So Narad Muni instructed them in, in the path of or the Nivriti Marg, in the path of devotional service. And as a result of that, they, 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 they understood, this verse is, is, you know, they understood what a real father is and what's the, the, the purpose or the instructions of a real father. So they understood that and um, and they decided to leave home. So they, they all became brahmacharis. So Daksha was very upset that his sons, all of them, not one, but 10,000, 10,000 of them became brahmacharis and left. And then Daksha, he begot another thousand sons. And as you will hear in this chapter, the same thing happened. So he was very upset with Narad Muni. And even Prabhupada says in the purport that um, sometimes parents get upset. I remember when I became a brahmachari, my parents were not happy. <laughs> they were quite upset. They say, we have sent you to Australia to make a good living, increase the fame of the family and maybe send some wealth back. But the opposite of that happened because I came in touch with devotees and similar to Narad Muni, they instructed me to, actually Kripa Sindhu Prabhu instructed me <laughs> to, to you know, give up my materialistic association and to live with devotees and by being in the association of devotees, then I decided to join the ashram. And that caused a lot of commotion in the family. And my parents also flew over to try to, to con convince me otherwise, to, to leave um, the ashram life, the brahmachari life, and to become a grihastha. But uh, by the association of devotees, they, they themselves became a devotee and went back. <laughs> <laughs> so first my mother came. 
she came to a retreat. There was Devamrit Maharaj. He was uh, very powerfully preaching and, and being in the temple, hearing the kirtans, listening to all the classes. And she was staying with devotees because um, I have family here, but they are 25 kilometers away. So for out of practical reasons, we accommodated her with devotees. Uh, with, um, what's Prabhu's name? Dinodhari Prabhu, yeah, thank you. Dinodhari and Satyadhari, right? Yeah, so they stayed with them, very nice devotees. So all that association made, them, made her a devotee. So when she went back, then my father came. Because <laughs> he was not a devotee. And he came and he associated a lot with Anirudha Prabhu. He would, they would talk management, because he's the manager. So, and then um, he associated a lot with Anirudha Prabhu. He used to come to temple in the Kirtan, dance. And then he went back chanting Hare Krishna. <laughs> so they both became devotees. And now my mother is, she's initiated. So we can see the power of the association of uh, devotees. It can change one's um, materialistic way of life. Because the materialistic way of life is the is the root cause of all problems. As Prabhupada says here, um, that one wants, in the, in the material way of life, one wants to lord it over others. That is our, that is our material disease, that we want to lord it over others. Lord it over others means to, to be able to control and enjoy independently of Krishna. It said in the Bhagavad Gita, Ishvaraham Aham Yogi, Siddhoham Balavan Sukhi. So Ishvaraham, Ishvara means the Lord. So the conditioned living entity, we all are thinking, I am the Lord, Ishvaraham, Aham Bhogi, I am the enjoyer. Siddhaham, I am perfect. And Balavan Sukhi, I'm powerful and happy. So this is the mindset of the uh, conditioned jiva, that I am the enjoyer, I know what I'm doing, um, I'm happy, no one needs to tell me how to be happy, I can figure it out. And I'm powerful, or I'll try to be powerful. And in due course, I will become powerful. So this is the, the mindset of the, of the jiva, since time immemorial. That we are trying to be independent in joys from Krishna. But the fact of the matter is, we are the part and parcel of Krishna. Jivera surupoye, Krishnera nityadas. We are Krishna's eternal servant. We are the part and parcel. And we are meant to render service unto Krishna. That is our constitutional position. But here, everyone is doing the exact opposite and trying to be lords. Uh, and one is trying to dominate in different ways. Like we see right now, there's a war going on. There's the leader of one country trying to dominate the others. And other countries also trying to dominate others. Like in the right now, USA is thinking they're superpower. China is coming up as a superpower. And this is also going on uh, on, a, on an individual level. 
It's going on on a societal level, national level, but also it's going on on an individual level. Uh, that's why leadership positions are very attractive because generally materialistic people are attracted to, uh, people are attracted to leadership positions um, so that they can control. Everyone, people want to be the boss. A lot of people aspire to be the boss so they can have influence and, and tell others what to do. And also the, the fame and glory and the prestige that comes along with that. So in that way, one wants to lord it over others. Um, sometimes the housewife wants to lord it over the husband by telling the husband what to do, by looking in a certain way. In this way, everyone is trying to lord over uh, others. That is the na nature of the jiva of the conditioned jiva. And then Prabhupada mentions uh, that, that all the shastras are teaching us how to be free of this materialistic way of life. So the shastras teach us how to um, cure this disease of, of materialism. But we are doing the exact opposite. We want to increase the material disease. Because we don't even realize that we are in a diseased um, state of existence. So if you look at all the shastras of the world, uh, whether here Prabhupada gives the example of Buddhism. So, you know, Buddhism talks about nirvana that material desires are the cause of suffering and one should give up material desires and maybe become void. So, but the point is, they, it talks about um, that material existence is the cause of problems. One should give that up. And even in Christianity, you have the Ten Commandments which more or less teach you how to love God, become a better person and to gradually give up um, the materialistic way of life. And if you look at all the scriptures of the world, in essence, they're saying the same thing in different ways. But the Vedic scriptures are the most detailed and most comprehensive. And they say the same thing also. But people, when they approach the scriptures, they only are the conditioned soul, when they approach the scriptures, they're only attracted to the sections which talk about material happiness. They forget about, every, they ignore everything else. Like also in, in India, when people know one verse, Bhagavad Gita, which one? Huh? Yes. Do your duty. Right, so one verse. Um, but they forget the main instruction of the Bhagavad Gita, which is Sarva Dharman Paritaja Ma Mekam Sharanam Raja, that, which is to surrender unto Krishna. That is the sum and substance of all the Vedas. And Bhagavad Gita is the essence of the Vedas. So that's why we see there's so many yagyas, pujas happening 
for material prosperity. So when people approach religion, they approach religion for material prosperity. So when people come to temple or the church, uh, they're praying, they praying to God to get rid of their distress. So because like um, I live near St. Patrick's Cathedral, you know, in the city, there's that big cathedral. Sometimes I go there for Japa because it's close to my home. It's a temple. And there's no one there. Usually there's no one. It's just me. Sometimes people come. It's this beautiful church. Such a beautiful church. And it's just me <laughs> chanting. And get, you know. But uh, sometimes people come and uh, they're crying. They have, you, know, you can see they have distress or they're very fervently praying. And that you can see they're just praying to, uh, praying to God, Jesus, so they can get rid of their material distress and get some prosperity. So people come to the temple here also, put some money in the hundi, and holding their ears, asking for forgiveness, and then um, praying for prosperity. And even we all did this in our, when in school, when we were going to school, we would, our parents would say, go to temple and pray that you do well in your exams. <laughs> so we, we approached religion for um, material prosperity and for enjoyment. But the purpose of religion and Shastra is actually to um, get rid of our disease, which is we want to be the Ishvara. And we want to be um, materially happy. So even when we come to Krishna consciousness, uh, we bring all this baggage with us that we want name, fame, uh, position uh, to, to, so that we can, be, uh, we can gratify our senses. But the Krishna consciousness movement is uh, meant for pure devotional service. And that's okay if we come with our material baggage because this is a place meant for purification. By gradually engaging in the process of Krishna consciousness, we get purified from our uh, material propensity of, of dominating and being the enjoyer. So in the conditioned state of existence, uh, no one wants to serve God. People don't want to do service for God. People only approach God so that God can serve them. As you hear, I was, um, sometimes if you're in a wedding, people say, with the blessings of God, may this couple be happy. So they're uh, approaching God so it can be materially happy. But we need to approach God so we can do service. That's, that's the whole idea, right? So we come to temple to change our consciousness from one of being an enjoyer to one of serving Krishna without motivation and without interruption. And that is the entire purpose of the Shastras. That is the sum and substance, is to make one, uh, teach one that one is a servant of Krishna and one needs to serve Krishna without any motivation.
So as I was saying earlier, because we, we come here and we come with motivations that I don't want to do service, or if we do a service, then we have our own agenda. I will do the service if I get recognition. Or, uh, or if I get something in return. So devotional service is, is uh, voluntary, and um, it, is, it is to be done without um, any, more, any motivation. But as I was saying, that's a gradual purification. We all have the conditioning, but it has to be purified. So the Vedic scriptures are unique. Um, so the Vedic scriptures also tell us, they not only tell us how to be free of materialistic life, but they even give us a lot of information about Krishna. So many scriptures of the world, um, they don't describe Godhead in detail. They, they just talk about God a little bit. Like in Christianity, um, God's name, fame, qualities, and activities are not described in great detail. But in, in, in the yogic text, in, in the Vedic text, particularly in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamrita, the activities of the Lord are described in great detail. Like every day we sing, you know, the Brahma Samhita, Venum Konantam Aravinda Dalayatshakam Barhavatam Samasitam Buddha Sundarangam Kandarpa Koti Kamaniya Vishesha Shobham Govinda Madhi Purusham Tamaham Bajami. That we worship Krishna, who is the primeval Lord, adept on, in playing on his flute, with blooming eyes like lotus petals, with head decked with the peacock's feather, with the figure of beauty tinged with the hue of blue clouds and his unique loveliness charming millions of cupids. So we find in the Vedic literature these uh, extensive descriptions of the Lord. Alola Chandraka Lassadvanamalya Vamshi Ratnangadam Pranaya Keli Kala Vilasam Shyamam Tribhanga Lalitam Niyata Prakasham Govindam Adi Purusham Tamaham Bajami. So I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord, you know, round whose neck is swinging a garland of flowers, beautified by the moon with the moon locket, whose two hands are adorned with the flute and jeweled ornaments, who always revels in pastimes of love, whose graceful three-folding bending form of Shamsundar is eternally manifest. So like this, in the Vedic scriptures, we find, uh, in, in the Bhagavatam, we find so many descriptions of the activities of, of God. So generally people think God, God is impersonal. God is energy. He's the light, he's energy. Um, I'm a person, I have my activities, I have my pastimes, but God is just some light or energy, up this. it's just some power. So that is impersonalism, that is offensive. But Krishna is a person, he has, he has so many names. Rama, Krishna, Hayagriva, Nashima, according to different pastimes. Um, 
And he's a, because he's a person, he has activities. He, and he has feelings, a personality. And all of these are described in, in the Bhagavatam. So the Vedic literatures are very vast. The, the essence of the Vedas, the cream of the Vedas is the Srimad Bhagavatam. So one needs to, um, in order to free from oneself from the materialistic way of life, one has to approach the Shastras. And one has to approach the bona fide Shastras. So there's so many Shastras out there. Which one do you, which one do you read? So the essence of all of them, as Prabhupada mentions here, is the Bhagavad Gita. So the Bhagavad Gita is concise 700 verses on on the absolute truth. If one reads this one book, their life will become perfect. But people are so unfortunate, they have no time to read. Perhaps we are also not reading. <laughs> when you approach someone with a book, Hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. Can you please here take this Bhagavad Gita? They'll say, I have no time. They have time to read so many other newspapers, um, books as part of their work or education, but there's no time to read spiritual literature because it talks about, um, it talks about the opposite of what they want to do. But the, the, the fact of the matter is, the Bhagavad Gita is the essence of all scriptures, um, and it talks, Krishna talks about himself. He describes about himself and the jiva and how to be free from illusion. And pra Prabhupada's purports are very uh, unique. In every Prabhupada's purports um, bring a sense of renunciation. They cut through all the fog and they go right to the point. So yes, we can read Bhagavad Gita also. We can find Bhagavad Gita. But if it, the commentary is not coming from a bona fide acharya, coming in the parampara, um, that will have no effect. And one will simply get confused. So Prabhupada, um, he has given us the Vedic literature and he has given his Bhaktivedanta purports, which are the main thing. Um, they help one to become Krishna conscious. One time, um, there was this person who was coming to um, you know, my classes and then after some, he was very intelligent and um, a, a good reader. So he had read Bhagavad Gita, started reading Bhagavatam. But he also wanted to read many other literatures, like the Vedanta Sutra and I don't know, so many literatures he told me, which I've never heard of, the Vedas, and the Upanishads. And I said to him, you just read Prabhupada's books. Because if you read other books, you'll get confused. 
but he didn't listen. Um, and he went about reading so many books, started doing so many courses. And um, the result was he became totally confused and became offensive. And he told me that uh, Prabhupada's books, Prabhupada is very heavy. He's, um, I don't feel good about myself after reading these books. After reading Prabhupada's books, I don't feel good about myself. I said, that's the whole point. <laughs> that's the whole point because your materialistic consciousness of false ego is being smashed. But at the same time, Srila Prabhupada is also giving the positive alternative. There's also, it's not just condemning materialistic life, but, there, but in, in these books, the positive engagement of devotional service is also given. Like we see in Buddhism, it's only about, uh, it's only about um, not doing materialistic activities, but they don't talk about the positive activities, the activities of the soul. They talk about getting free from material existence, but once you get free, what do you do? There's no mention of that. So yeah, I was telling this gentleman that if you read other books, you'll get confused, and that's indeed what happened and became offensive and became con totally confused. So one has to approach the, um, one has to approach this, the, the Vedas, one has to approach the Vedas from a bona fide spiritual master because the job of a guru is to, is to look at the big picture and then give you the essence. That's, that's the job of a spiritual master, is to give you the essence of the Veda. Veda is Trasarvaya Aham Eva Vedya. Right, so that's the job. And Srila Prabhupada, as the um, Acharya, he has done exactly that. He has taken the Vedas and, and in his Bhaktivedanta purports, given us the essence of what we need to know in a way that we will be able to relate to it. So then one has to take initiation from, as Prabhupada mentioned in the purport, that one has to approach a guru and take initiation from a guru. So a guru is one of the fathers, one of many fathers. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, there's this nice verse that Prabhupada also quotes. Guru na sasyat, swajano na sasyat, pita na sasyaj, janani na sasyat, daivam na tatsyans, na patis cha sasyan, na mochaye dyaha samupeta mrityum. So that one who cannot deliver his dependence from the path of repeated birth and death should never become a spiritual master, a father, a husband, a mother, or a worshipable demigod. So a, a spiritual master is also considered, you have your biological father, but then you have um, the spiritual master is also considered to be one of the fathers.
So it is said one should, one, one should only take such a position if they can free their dependence from the cycle of birth and death. Right? So, Guru na sasyat, Swajano na sasyat. And that is the, the job of a guru, a father, a husband, a mother, or a, or a demigod. Their job is to free their dependents, and even the king, the, the job of a king, all of these people is to free um, their dependents. So you see, a father has a dependent, their, you know, their, their wife and their children. Um, the guru has dependents, their disciples. The king has citizens. Um, and their job is to free their dependents from the cycle of birth and death. And if they do that, then they are fulfilling their duty. Um, most, materialists, most fathers and mothers don't have a clue <laughs> about what's the purpose of life, or to speak of freeing their dependents from the cycle of birth and death. I don't know about you, but you know, my parents didn't know about the purpose of life. M most parents are simply interested in their... Um, Children being materially successful in Indian parents. They say, okay, they educate you. They do educate you, but only in, in material education to become materially successful. So you go to school. Um, and even in school, if you look at the uniform, it's trousers, blazer. It's simply teaching you how to, how to be... Um, how to take up the corporate culture. There's no, there's no education, there's no spiritual education. It's, it's, uh, society is a total disaster because there's, there's no gurukul, there's no spiritual education being imparted. Uh, so there, the parents send us to school to be materially successful and then they want us to have a nice job, get married, and do the same thing that they have done, and that's been happening from generations. And if you do something otherwise, it's a big threat, <laughs> as I was saying earlier in the beginning of the class. So when I was a, a brahmachari, my family was very wary of me, because <laughs> that time I was sparing saffron. So when I would go home, they were like, okay, be, be an you know, unspoken fact was be careful of this guy, especially with their. Um, at that time, all my cousins they were not married, so especially the, especially the men, um, the young men. They were very very. Don't hang out with him too much, <laughs> and don't want you to be. Don't want our sons to be a brahmachari. In India, it's a big thing. That uh, if, you take, if you start taking up the spiritual life, people become worried, or you'll become a sannyasi. And that's what, that's what, um, that's what happened here with the Hariyashravas, right? They hung out with Narad Muni, and they all became brahmacharis. <laughs> so all of them became brahmacharis after hanging out with Narad Muni.
but the, the, the job of a parent is to, is to teach one how to be uh, Krishna conscious. And so this, they are a biological father and mother, but then we take our second birth. So that is our first birth, but then as a human being, because we are born into darkness, as it is said here, right? We are born in darkness. That's why we get education, because we are ignorant. We go to school to learn ABCs and to learn education so we can stand on our own feet, because we are born ignorant. In, similarly, we are also born spiritually ignorant. And we have to go to, uh, we need spiritual education. That is the main education we need. Material education is secondary. So the, the government is a total failure all over the world. The Australian government is a failure because they're not teaching the citizens how to be uh, Krishna conscious, how to be God conscious. The job of the government through all their programs is to make people Krishna conscious, is to employ brahmanas to make the population Krishna conscious. They're spending so much money on defense, on COVID programs and so many other programs. They, they, can, they can have a military, but they cannot, the Krishna conscious movement should be funded by the government, all of it. They should be funding all the devotees and they should hold them accountable to ed educate the population. That's, that's the job of the government. But the government has no interest in this. They are simply um, interested in, in uh, enjoying themselves and just creating jobs. So one has to take second birth. Um, one has to take, one takes second birth when one takes initiation. So that's why we take initiation, because that is our second birth. So at the time of initiation, when we accept a spiritual master, is we are now spiritually born. Or when we come in touch with devotees, we are spiritually born. And after taking initiation, one engages in, one further engages in the process of devotional service. So taking initiation is not the end. It's just to initiate. It's just the beginning. So initiation means it's the beginning. One accepts a guru and the guru then gives us instructions in our life. So in ISKCON we have spiritual masters. So their, their instructions are meant to be, they're meant to align with Prabhupada's instructions. And they simply give us personalized instructions to, um, to be able to follow what Prabhupada's instructions are. So that's, that's the prime job of a guru. Uh, we see uh, Bali Maharaj, in, in India people also have gurus. Some of you might have gurus before you became devotees. Maybe you had even given you Panayanam, maybe. But one can reject them. 
We see uh, Bali Maharaj, he rejected his spiritual master, Shukracharya, because he was stopping him from doing service. So Bali Maharaj wanted to donate. Um, Vamandev had asked for three steps of land, so he wanted to fulfill his desire, fulfill the request. But Shukracharya forbade him. He said, he's Vishnu, he's going to take everything. And he said, no problems. I'll give everything. But when he stopped him from doing service, he rejected him. So the, the instructions of our father and mother trying to stop us to take Krishna consciousness can also be rejected because they don't understand what is the purpose of life. It's not that that doesn't mean you don't... You can still be civil with your parents and still have a relationship, but one doesn't, you know, follow their um, advice to be, to not f take up Krishna consciousness. And then Prabhupada says here that this Krishna consciousness movement is teaching this higher knowledge of retiring from materialistic life to return to Godhead. Um, but unfortunately, many parents are not very satisfied with this movement. Um, that is true. So when we, uh, as I was saying earlier, sometimes parents become upset when their children become devotees. And in Prabhupada even goes further to say that um, even the businessmen will become dissatisfied if our movement spreads. I think today that's not an issue because the movement is very small, at least in, in the Western world. People don't know about ISKCON. People don't know about Hare Krishna. So it's not a threat. But if it does become quite popular, it will become a threat. Because why? Because people will stop, they'll start following the four regs and the, the four regulations and, and our society, the economy is built on the four sinful activities. But right now it's not a threat because we are so small and no one takes us seriously. Uh, but yeah, if, if we did become big, if the preaching did become very successful, then people won't drink. Their sales will go down. Um, and in fact, we can even see today that uh, vegetarianism has become big. 20% of Australians are vegetarians or vegans. And Prabhupada started this in the 70s. Uh, so more and more, the meat consumption is reducing. And then... Um, Gambling will stop. People will stop going to the pokies and crown. And brothels will also reduce. And then they'll start to uh, dig dirt on, on us. <laughs> That's when you know. So when there's a lot of opposition, you know you're doing something right. That is a sign of progress when there is opposition, strong opposition. So there is a long way to go. Uh, 
it's a long way to go, and it is our duty to spread, assist Srila Prabhupada in the spreading of the Krishna Consciousness Movement to the people of this country. Um, through the distribution of literature, through the opening of centers uh, where people can come and listen to devotees, get devotees association and be able to listen to something, some, some, some words of, of Shastra and to have prasadam. By doing these activities, gradually they will, their hearts will become transformed and become devotees. So I'll leave it there, see if you have any questions. Yes, Prabhu. Red what? It's corn. Yep. Thank you.
Hare Krishna. Yes. What's the problem in coming to pray to Krishna for material benefits? Okay, good. Question is, she's saying that um, people go to the church to pray and people come temple also. They're praying for material benefits. What's the problem in that? They're praying to Krishna for material benefits. That's Sivya, yeah, very intelligent. Sivya. She's very intelligent. Um, yeah, that's, that's a great question. So what's the problem in coming to pray for material benefits? Um, yeah, Krishna says that those who approach him are magnanimous souls in the Bhagavad Gita. So right, Krishna says four types of people approach, them, approach him. One who wants money, um, one who wants to be free from distress, the inquisitive, and one who is seeking for knowledge. So four types of people come to approach Krishna. So number one, it is good to approach Krishna. Um, most peop people don't do that. So those who have some shraddha, some faith, some piety, they will come to God. So that's like, uh, it's like, for example, you're in a prison. Um, some, you're in a prison. You have the prison guards, and then you have the judge. So... Or, you know, like uh, in, in America, there's something called presidential pardon. Have you heard of that? So every, every president, uh, before their term ends, they give presidential pardon. They, they can decide who they um, relieve them from their prison life or who they free them. So it's like if you're in the prison and then you're given an opportunity to come in touch with the president. So imagine you're in the United States prison, you've done some heinous crime, <clears throat> and you've been rotting there for a long time, and then you, you come before the president. Now, the president has the power, because they're the controller, they have the power to free, free you from your imprisonment. But you approach the president and say, hey, can you move me from solitary confinement to, uh, you know, where I'm with other people and there's a nice bed, to another prison where there's a nice bed, there's a TV, and I can also go out a few hours a day and have nice food to eat. So that's, the, so, no, that's not a very intelligent person because the president can free them from the entanglement, but they're simply asking, can you move me from a worse situation to a slightly better situation? So similarly, someone who comes to Krishna to uh, approaches Krishna for material benefits is not very intelligent because um, Krishna, being the Lord and Master and the controller of everything, controller of material nature, can free one from material entanglement, can, can take us back to Godhead if we follow. But they're simply asking, can you... Can you make me more comfortable in this world? So that's the problem. 
So and because they don't understand that um, they are living in a diseased condition of existence. So under madness, uh, they, are, they are asking God, can you please make me more happy and, and comfortable here? Because they don't understand that this is a place of suffering. And th that's why they are mad. So they're, they're approaching God for the wrong reason. Someone who can free you, they're saying, hey, can you make me more comfortable? Um, and I'm, I'm doing service for you, Krishna. I should not have any problems. I should have a nice life. I'm doing so much service, chanting so many rounds for so many years, waking up early. <clears throat> so my material life should be taken care of. So that is, our, that is our disease. So that's the problem. We can get much more, but we're just asking for something insignificant. It's like approaching a wealthy person and saying, it's like going to a, a rich person and the rich person says, ask me what you want. And you say, just give me, um, give me uh, fifty thousand dollars, a hundred thousand, and and he can say, I can give you billions of dollars. What was this? You know, hundred hundred k. It's like that. So Krishna can give us much more. We just ask, can we be comfortable here, and 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 continue in the cycle of birth, death, or legend disease. Sorry, Nashima Kavacha Prabhu, any, anything you'd like to add? One second, yeah. Prabhu will say. There is that verse in the mm. Yeah. Thank you. That's a very important point. Yes. <laughs> uh, you that the, the government should by employ, I mean they should support them, not so much like give a wage, but, uh, but support a class of brahmanas in society who, um, and by support I mean like fund them. Um, you know, fund their living expenses and all their material needs and give them a comfortable existence and, and, and engage them in uh, giving advice to the government and also preaching to the people. That, that's what I meant. So that give them facilities so they can start preaching centers, uh, open temples, um, you know, engage in spiritual education on a very mass scale, mass distribution of prasadam, of, of kirtan, and also um, t teaching this knowledge. And by Brahmins, I mean Vaishnavas, actually Vaishnavas. And, and yeah, making sure that they're comfortable. And also, also refer to them for advice in, in, in governance, in governing the society. 
Yeah, thank you. And that was a, thanks Prabhu for that good point. Um, yeah, one has to approach Krishna. Even if we have material desires, yes, we all have, including myself. Um, but by engaging in the process, we will get purified. And we have to stick at it. Thank you. Yes. How does one find the right teacher? That's a good question. Um, by a teacher, I'm assuming you're referring to like a spiritual master taking initiation? Yeah. Um, yeah, so one has to... It takes time, number one. So one has to evaluate the teachers. Yeah, so there's so many spiritual masters in the society. Um, as far as practical, one has to listen to as many as you can and also associate with them personally. So get in touch personally, um, inquire from them and see whose instructions you can um, you know, relate to most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to find the teacher um, who you can relate to the most, who can, and who can also relate to your situation, you feel, uh, and someone who you can relate to most, um, and who's coming. Number one, they need to come in the parampara, of, of, they need to come in the disciplic succession, so they need to be um, you know, an authorized spiritual master, they need to follow the instructions of Srila Prabhupada, um, they need to be able to control their senses. They need to be a Goswami. That's another qualification of a teacher. So one has to evaluate the teacher. Are they following the instructions of their Guru, Prabhupada? Are they able to control their senses? Are they an elevated devotee? Um, and then, can I relate to the instructions? Because one might not be able to relate to everyone's instructions. Um, because also a lot of gurus are raised in different countries. They have, you know, a different upbringing. Um, so they also might be able to relate to different people in different ways. So you need to see who I can relate to the most and, and, um, and who I can be comfortable in, in taking instructions from and committing to them. Prabhu, would like to add something?
Sorry, Prabhuji, what's, what's your point in the interest of time? Because... Yeah. Um, is so one who knows the science of Krishna, he's a spiritual master. They can come from any background. That, that doesn't matter. And, and as Narsimha Kovacha Prabhu said, that one has to be sincere. If one is sincerely searching, then uh, the guru gets revealed. You know, that's a nice example. It's not like shopping at Kohl's. So, and then you take, you know, take shelter of one, and gurus are of two types. There's the Diksha Guru and the Shiksha Guru. And the instruction is the most important. So you can have one Diksha Guru and you can take instruction from many others. So the one we can relate to the most, we take instruction from them. Right. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.